The Your Safe Space podcast is recorded on Wurundjeri land. This podcast acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome back to the Your Safe Space podcast hosted by me, Adele Marie. Today on the show, we are talking about communication and the way in which we interact with our partners. I'll be sharing all the ways that we can work to make improvements in our relationships and show up even better for ourselves and our partners. Let's get into the show. Hello, welcome back to another episode, everyone. Happy Sunday. I hope that you are having a nice weekend. I am actually recording this episode very close (laughs) to the episode coming out. I'm recording on Wednesday this week and it has been not a stressful week for me, but there are definitely things like always taking up space. And as always, I ask you guys what's taking up space for you because I love checking in. I love keeping up to date. I love seeing what is taking up space for you. And the way that you can engage in that is in the Facebook group every Monday, I put up a post, come and tell me what's taking up space for you. And I will share now what's taking up space for me. Now I actually have three things and I've got them in an order that I think makes sense. The first thing that's taking up space right now is my Taylor Swift post-concert blues. It has officially hit me and I think it's hit me because her Australian leg of the Eras tour is totally done now. Like it's officially over and it wrapped up on Monday this week. And now that it's actually over, I'm like, now what? And I feel so blessed because I feel like in Australia, we got the best surprise songs and I'm super grateful for that. But I also know that a lot of you are also feeling this too. So this is why I wanted to put it into the episode because Concert blues or even any kind of blues that you feel after an event are totally normal. It is a psychological phenomenon. Phenomenon? I can't even say that word, but it's not diagnosable. So it does exist, but it's not something like anxiety or depression or something like that that you can actually diagnose by a psychologist or psychiatrist. Now, the reason that post-concert blues happen or even post-event blues. It could be something like a wedding. It could be a holiday. Anything that you have had a build-up for and been really looking forward to, it can happen in those like circumstances as well. And I definitely have felt it after holidays. I felt it after large-scale events that I've been looking forward to. I've felt it after concerts that I've gone to. And I think all of us as well would have had a really, really hard time trying to secure an errors to a ticket because I feel like we have all been victimized by the ticket tech loading landing page. <laughs> and so we got the tickets ages ago and then we had to wait for the concert. It was a huge build up, and now we're here. But what actually happens at a concert is that you are having a full-blown chemical experience. You are having endorphins, which make us feel excited. I'm sure we can all say we were excited at the errors tour. <laughs> You're also feeling oxytocin, which makes us feel connected and bonded with each other. I'm sure you can already see that at a concert anyway. You're all vibing the same, not to mention Taylor Swift and her friendship bracelets. Tell me something more bonding. I dare you. You've also then got serotonin and dopamine, which give us satisfaction. And so at this concert, we're all having this universal, amazing experience with each other. And then it's over very abruptly. It's just like, oh, now what? And so what happens is all of those chemicals take such a dip after the concert is done and after the event is over. And that can sometimes lead to you feeling sad or blue, as I'm calling it, empty, a little bit disinterested, a little bit disengaged, kind of lacking the energy to carry on. And so some of the things I've been doing that have made me feel a little bit better is 
planning things in the future for me to also look forward to. I always talk about how having something to look forward to is quite healing and I seriously mean it. I've also been going back and revisiting my pictures and my videos from the tour. I've also been interacting with that content on other platforms. So my feed right now is still Errors Tour, which thank God I'm so grateful for. But I also know in the Facebook group, I put up two threads, a Melbourne one and a Sydney one. And it was so nice for me to see your outfits, for me to see your videos, for me to see your pictures and definitely made me feel less alone. So I don't know if you guys can take a leaf out of that. Number two is house hunting. So this is definitely taking up space for me. And I know at the moment it's probably like I've made it my whole personality trait. It is consuming me. I'm not going to lie. It is important to me as well. I'm very big on environment. And I was actually going to make this episode today about the importance of your environment. And that might be an upcoming one. But your environment and your living situation impacts every single other area of your life. You spend just like work, you spend majority of your time in your living circumstance or your living situation. I'm also very blessed to work from home, also very lucky to spend a lot of time at home. But coupled with that, I've had a very challenging experience with my parents' separation since September last year, and I have not been thriving in my current environment. The internet has also (laughs) been a little bit interesting for me in the sense that for so long, I got so much hate for still living at home at 30 years old or 29 years old, whenever it was that I started on TikTok or started growing my account. And I got so much trolling for that. Now I'm getting trolling because I want to move and comments have been like, what's the urge? Why are you in such a rush? Why are you making this the only thing you're talking about? You have a roof over your head, like be grateful. And I've always said that. I've always said that I'm so grateful. I always have said that I really feel for anybody who is impacted by the housing crisis and the rental crisis at the moment. There are also some other things going on that I haven't publicly spoken about. My address has been leaked at the current address that I'm living at. I've also actually had people come to my house. And on top of that, I've received death threats to the point where the police have been involved. We have cameras. It is something that has caused me not to get a single good night's sleep all year. (laughs) And so maybe I need to address that. If anyone else was in that situation, I would be telling them to, yeah, you need to move. And so, yeah, you could say that it is weighing on me and you could say that I do need to change my environment. Unfortunately, I haven't had success. The search continues and that's okay, but I do have some good change. And you know what they say about change? change is as good as a holiday. And I am actually going on a holiday next week. So (laughs) I'm really looking forward to that. I will go away two days after this episode comes out. So if you want to play along, go and follow me on TikTok, go and follow me on Instagram. I'll be sharing some content there. I'm very blessed and so incredibly grateful that this trip is a brand trip. It is a gifted opportunity or a contra opportunity. So what that means is I'm not paid for the trip, but everything is covered on the trip and I get to enjoy the holiday. So I'm actually taking my best friend, Suze. You guys would have heard her on this very podcast. She's done, I think, two episodes with us. And we are going to the Cook Islands, which I'm really looking forward to. So this is a trip with Cook Islands Tourism and Jetstar. And we're going to Rarotonga and Atutaki. And I'm so keen. The itinerary looks incredible. I've actually got a briefing call on Monday, so I don't know how much I'm actually allowed to say right now, but I will leave it there. And I'm really, really grateful that I've got that. I feel like it has come at a perfect time. In a perfect world, I had actually hoped to have been moved and settled before I left. That's not going to happen. 
I've still got some time on my side and I'm just going to try and stay in the moment and stop trying to stress about things out of my control. Anyway, guys, we can now get into today's show. So let's not waste any more time. I'm talking about communication today and why I wanted to do this episode is because I am still in the early stages of dating somebody new. You guys all know that. And I have learned that prior to dating this man, I really felt quite healed and I felt quite on top of my shit and I thought that I had done the work. And I definitely have. I've poured a lot into myself and a lot into self-development. I still go to therapy. I still like to prioritize my self-development. But there are so many different things that come up when you are dating someone or when you are in a relationship and when you are interacting with another human romantically. So what I'm going to go through in this episode are things I am still learning. They're things I have learned and they're things I am actively right now putting into practice because I realized I still myself have a lot of growing to do. And I always try and take inspiration from my own life when it comes to giving you episodes so that I can give you relevant examples and talk you guys through it. And so like always, I'm not saying that I know everything. This is just me sharing my little tips and tricks. It's a conscious effort for me still. And I also ask you guys for your input. So at the end of the episode, I'll give you some of your tips that you guys gave me for this. So thank you for that. And before we actually get into it, I just want to say two things. This podcast is not a replacement for professional mental health help. If you do need that, please check the show notes. And then this episode is not intended to address situations of abuse or domestic violence. So if you or somebody that you know is in an abusive relationship, please call 1-800-RESPECT. The number is 1-800-737-732. Okay, let's get into it. Now, why is good communication important? At a glance, we all kind of know that, but I want to go into detail because good communication is a key part of having healthy relationships. And this episode is going to be more romantically focused, but it is also really good for any other area of your life. I think if you can talk openly and honestly with the people in your life, it is going to allow you to have better quality relationships. And in a romantic setting, Good communication means that you will be better able to work together as a team. You'll be able to show up for each other, show support for each other, and be able to handle conflict more effectively. According to John Gottman, a clinical psychologist and someone who has actually helped me prepare, well, not literally helped me prepare for this, but a lot of the research that I found for this episode is from the Gottman Institute. He believes that a couple's communication pattern can often predict how successful the relationship will be. Now, good communication or quality communication can enhance your relationship in a few ways. The first one and probably the most common one is that you guys will have less conflict. Now, it is normal to have conflict and disagreements and sometimes get on each other's nerves. I think that is a normal part of existing with somebody and living with somebody, even if you're not living with them, if you are just in a relationship with them. It is normal to experience conflict from time to time. But when you have good communication, that will then help you solve it more quickly and more readily as well. And when you are able to talk about things honestly and openly, you're then going to actually be able to solve your arguments and disagreements and differences more effectively. The next thing that makes good communication and your relationship even better or enhancing it is intimacy. Your communication will improve your intimacy. And the reason that this happens and studies have shown, regardless of your age or the length of your relationship, being able to engage in effective discussions with your partner will likely result in higher relationship sexual satisfaction and intimacy satisfaction. Communication skills is also the number one area 
that couples focus on when they go into couples therapy. And forming that close connection with your partner is like a reciprocal two-way street, give and take, right? It's about you sharing personal details with your partner. It's about you building trust with your partner. It's about you sharing your feelings, your thoughts, your emotions, your memories. And this back and forth or this positive back and forth that happens when you have really good communication is how your relationship forms and starts to become stronger and closer over time. The other point I noticed, and this is one that has been big for me, is that when you have good communication, your relationship is also less likely to experience rumination. Rumination is something that I have really struggled with in the past, and I kind of want to do a whole episode on this, but rumination is repetitive and passive thoughts focused on a problem. So an example that I can give you is in past relationships, whenever I had a disagreement with a partner or there was a problem that came up, for me in my head, I would stay stuck on it for days, (laughs) sometimes weeks, which is not healthy or productive or helpful because what happens is when you are someone who is likely to ruminate, you are more likely to keep stuck on an issue and less likely to then move forward and make a repair and able to then keep building and bridging that bond between you and a partner. Now, it is a very subconscious thing, rumination. So if you are listening to this being like, oh, fuck, I ruminate, please don't panic. It is something that just happens in your inner subconscious, but it can be worked through with better communication skills and good quality communication can minimize this because instead of you stewing over any kind of uncomfortable or negative emotions or the event that's happened, you can have quality communication where you can discuss your concerns and you can then process things and move forward from it and almost let go of it and be able to then move on to that next chapter together. Now, the annoying thing is that Sadly, good communication in a relationship is not everything. And I wish it was, but it is only one part of a good relationship. And there are many other factors that can also play a role. So there are things like the personality of the person. Your personality is going to be very different to your partner's personality. The stress that you've got in your life right now is going to be different compared to the levels of stress that your partner may have at the moment. It also plays a part in how much time you spend together. Are you spending quality time together? Are you not? There is also research that suggests that communicating well doesn't necessarily guarantee you a happy or long-lasting relationship. But at the same time, there is also plenty of research indicating that good communication still does enhance your relationships and well-being in the long run. If you're listening to this thinking, oh my God, I feel like I have a long way to go. That's okay, guys, because same. (laughs) And I feel like I always try to humanize things on this podcast. It is never too late to work on any skills. It is never too late to work on anything. It is never too late to work on your communication skills and increase your chances of hearing and understanding your partner, but also being heard and understood in your relationships. Communication works for those who work at it. And I will stand by that. And I'm going to give you some of my tips. So these are my top tips. And then we'll get into yours as well. The first tip I'm giving you is active listening. I put this as my first tip because I feel like this is the number one for me anyway. Talking is important. You guys know I love to talk. I have a podcast where I talk for multiple hours a week. But listening is the bigger part of it. It is such a great skill to hone in on in any area of your life. It's also learning to be okay with silence in conversation. It's also learning to let your partner finish what they're saying. 
It's also learning to take a real and genuine interest when they are telling you something or sharing a story or unpacking their day with you. It's looking them in the eye. It's not scrolling on your phone while you're trying to have a serious conversation or they're trying to talk to you about something. It is really giving the person that you are with 100% of your energy and your full focus. And the way that I think about active listening is you are listening with the intent to understand. You're not just listening and just letting them finish, even though that is part of it. You are really trying to understand, empathize, and really connect with what they are saying to you. So a technique that I have found works really well is when you are in conversations with your partner, reflect back what they are saying to you. So sometimes I will say back what they've just said to me so they know that I am listening and I have heard it. And then I will also ask questions and open-ended questions. And I think the questions are so important because that also does show you, that also does show your partner genuine interest, but that does enable the conversation to keep flowing and to get a little bit deeper and to show your partner that you are actually hearing them and actually comprehending what it is that they are saying. I know some people listening are going to be like, I actually have a partner who doesn't do this for me and I do it for them. Now what? And something that I have also learned in therapy is that when you are doing the work and you are able to lead by example and you are able to display the energy that you are wanting to display and then wanting to have reciprocated, it is more likely to work as well. So even if you have a partner who doesn't do this, that's okay. Some things that could work is one, you start showing up with the energy that you want in return and your partner will see this, trust me. (laughs) The same goes for making sure that you stay calm. You stay calm in any of your interactions, even trying to like reinforce when your partner is listening and is giving you the energy that you want. And sometimes you have to verbalize these things. Sometimes you have to say it because your partner might not know how much you appreciate it or might not know that they can then step up or listen better or show this active listening to you. One thing that you could say is if your partner sometimes does this is, I really like it when I feel heard from you. And in this conversation, you said this and did that. And that made me feel reassured and seen and listened to. And I would love it if we could have more of that. And trying to express that, even though you're asking for something, it's still expressed in such a kind and genuine and empathetic and understanding way. I also think appreciation is underrated and I'll get to that in one of my upcoming tips. But my next tip is to soften your approach. And this is about making sure that there is no nastiness, no harshness, no yelling, no aggression. And I say this because you can tell, you can also tell how a conversation starts. You can then see how it's going to end just by the nature of the way it started. So I really have tried to start conversations gently and calmly. And I also love when someone does that to me in return, because I don't respond well to nastiness. I don't respond well to yelling. I don't respond to harshness or negativity. I feel like there should be no place for that in a relationship. You can have difficult conversations and you can have really hard conversations without tearing your partner down or without making them feel like shit. By doing this and by softening your approach, this is how you show your partner that you are respecting them and vice versa. This is how they show you that they are respecting you. And some other things that I like to do when it comes to softening an approach or entering into a difficult conversation or just a general conversation is also making sure that that I'm taking accountability, that I'm owning what is mine, that I'm owning if I've taken or played a part in anything that's gone on. I can hand on heart say, yes, I did this wrong. 
and I've learned from it and I'm going to do my best not to do that again. It also means starting the conversation with I instead of you. And I always talk about that language. You take the pressure off and you also take off that feeling of your partner feeling attacked when you are saying, well, you don't do this or you never do that or you X, Y, Z instead of saying, I feel like this and I would rather feel this way. It is a totally different nature of the conversation. It is also about being able to address things without blame and just describing what has happened, like stick to the facts and really just being able to address it without adding fuel to the fire. It's being kind, it's being appreciative, and it's also addressing things sooner rather than later so that they don't have the chance to build up. My next tip is probably my most favorite, and I probably should have put this at number two, but it is learning about emotional bids. I don't know if you guys know much about this, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about it now, and you can also go and do some more research on it if you want. I actually learned about emotional bids again in therapy, and I love talking about them because they are so important and they happen every single day from every single person in our lives. And if you're listening thinking, Adele, what is an emotional bid? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> an emotional bid is an attempt from one partner to another for attention, affirmation, affection, or any other connection. So emotional bids can be so tiny and so subconscious. It could be so small that it's like a smile, your partner smiling at you or you smiling at them. It could even be you going to grab your partner's hand to hold hands. Them grabbing your hand back is them receiving your emotional bid. Them not grabbing your hand back is them missing your emotional bid. Some other examples of some smaller emotional bids are you're driving in the car and maybe your partner's driving, you're a passenger and you see something out the side of the window and you point and you say, hey, oh my God, look at that. Your partner looking at that and saying, oh my God, yeah, that that looks great or whatever it is, is them seeing your emotional bid. Them paying no attention to you, turning up the radio and ignoring what you just said is them not paying attention to your emotional bid. It could even be making a joke or something more complex like asking for advice. The thing is, it is normal to miss emotional bids. It's not a bad thing if you have missed them or if your partner is missing them, but it is also really great to practice them with each other and also really great to learn about them. So every time you see your partner's bids and vice versa, what that does is it builds up the positive moments and the positive interactions that you two are having. And these little things add up and make you feel more connected to your partner and make you feel more like you have each other's back. And so when you are able to see your partner's bids, what they see and feel is that you are interested in them, is that you hear them, you are able to make them feel seen, make them feel validated. You have their back as well. And the same goes for when bids are missed. So if bids continue to be missed over and over and over and over and there's no effort made to try and repair or turn towards each other to try and fix that, that can also likely lead to the downfall or the disintegration of the relationship as well. It can have the opposite effect of what happens when you have bids and you are actually catching them from each other. It takes a lot of time to learn and practice and recognize bids. So don't be super harsh on yourself, but I have even found success, more success in bringing them up to the person that you're with. With the guy I'm dating now, he had no idea what emotional bids were. And I actually sent him some stuff and I was like, this was an emotional bid for me. This was right at the start of when we were first getting to know each other. And I said, this was an emotional bid from me. And then your response made me feel like you didn't really care or didn't really want it. And he had already 
actually immediately apologize. But right after I said to him, that's fine. Like, I know you didn't mean it, but this is what like an example of an emotional bid is. And I really want to try and catch all of yours. And I would love it if you could try and catch all of mine. And since we've had that conversation, we make a really good effort to try and make sure that we are catching each other's. And one thing I've also learned is it's okay to even just verbalize it. Like you can literally say, hey, I'm making a bid for attention right now. (laughs) This is what it is. Please get it. If you do need to start to raise that awareness when you are practicing turning towards each other instead of turning away. My next tip is compromise. And this is a skill I am constantly learning. (laughs) It is not one person changing and one person bending and one person controlling the relationship. Compromise is a two-way street. Compromise is negotiating. Compromise is finding a way for the both of you to accommodate each other. A really small example of compromise is if I say to you, hey, do you want to grab coffee with me tomorrow at 10.30? And you say to me, no, sorry, Adele, I've actually got to be somewhere at 11.30. Do you think we could do 10? And in my mind, I know that I've, I'm coming from somewhere at 9.30, so I might run late at 10, but I say to you, oh, do you reckon we could do 10 past 10 or 10.15 because I might run a little bit late if we aim for 10? And you say, no, you know what? 10 past 10 is fine. Let's do that. I can still make it work. And we compromise and we agree on the new time of 10.10 instead of 10.30 or 10 a.m. That's a really small example of compromise. A larger example of compromise that I'm going to give to you, and I heard this on the Jay Shetty podcast. I actually recommended this episode. It was his one with Esther Perel. He was talking about how he had just moved in with his wife and it was their first time living together. And the after dinner cleanup was becoming a problem in their relationship. It was causing a little bit of a friction point. Jay had grown up in a household where his family would have dinner. They wouldn't clean up right away. They would go and watch TV or interact with each other or relax. And his wife had grown up in a household where she would have dinner and her family would clean up immediately. So come them living together for the first time, after dinner was always a little bit disjointed because the wife would want to start cleaning. Jay would want to not do that. He'd want to relax a little bit, maybe digest. And so they had to come up with a new way to do their own after dinner routine. And while it's not that larger scale, I thought it was a really cool example of showing how both of their old ways, there was nothing wrong with that, but they then worked together to find a new way to make it work for both of them as well. And the thing is, we are always going to have very different opinions, very different preferences, very different habits. Sometimes we might have very different values, hopefully not two different core values, but compromise is understanding that it is give and take, and it is you two looking for a solution together to find a new way forward. And it is working as a team. It is also being okay with your partner influencing you. And what I mean by your partner influencing you is that letting your partner do that is not the same as allowing them to control you. It is also just allowing their communication to play a role in your decisions. And it is also involving your significant other in the way that you live your life, which I think is a very normal and should be a standard practice when you are building this partnership and when you are looking to improve your communication. Now, when it comes to compromise, even if you disagree, there are still ways to have a very calm, a very rational discussion that show respect towards each other. And this is really important. It's not going to feel perfect. Compromise isn't always going to feel good. I feel like in compromise, you're likely to lose something, your partner's likely to lose something, and you're probably both likely to gain something as well. 
When it does come to compromise, I just want to like reiterate this as well. I'm not talking about infringing on your own values or infringing on your own boundaries or you being the only one compromising. I'm talking about the moments where something is really important to your partner or where something is really important to the relationship and the compromise is fair and reasonable and you are able to both have your needs met in a way that suits you both. And then my last tip is be your partner's biggest fan. I love this so much because I will always be number one hype girl of anyone I date, but are you their biggest fan? Are they your biggest fan? When you both have things that you want to achieve and do together and individually, supporting each other is a huge part of that. Even when you're not wanting to achieve things, even when you're just existing, it is showing each other that unwavering support and showing each other just such admiration. I saw this on the Gottman Institute website, but it is looking at your partner through rose-colored glasses. And I don't want to contradict myself in the past because I have said, oh, take the rose-colored glasses off, look at people for who they are. I'm talking about that in dating and I'm talking about that where you shouldn't fall in love with potential, but this in particular being your partner's biggest fan. I'm talking about long-term relationships. I'm talking about when you already know them, you already know their intentions, they've committed to you, you are happy to be with them. It is a deliberate effort to think about your partner in a favorable light. It is building your partner up. It is focusing on the appreciation you have for them. And hopefully they are doing this for you in return as well. It's also starting your complaints. So even things, like I said at the start, when you are actively listening or softening the approach, Start your complaints with kindness. So maybe you are wanting your partner to make more effort, right? Maybe you feel like you haven't had enough date nights or they're not prioritizing you right now. Instead of saying something like, why haven't you taken me on a date recently? And bringing it up like that. So you could say something like, I love it when we go out together. Remember when we went to that restaurant that time? And think of like a past date that you went on. Tell them that you had a lot of fun and say, can we do that again? let's do that again. Again, the way in which you say something is going to impact how it's received as well. But when you are able to do it from that favorable light, it is going to make the interaction so much more enjoyable for both of you. Of course, I'm not sitting here saying it always needs to be positive. There's going to be negative moments too. There's going to be negative interactions as well, but it is trying to actively engage in the positive ones and trying to actively remember the positive ones as well. I feel like these have kind of been the main focuses for me as I am getting to know the person I'm dating at the moment. And it has been really lovely because he is definitely one of the healthier people that I have dated. And he is also very patient and understanding and kind to me. He has never raised his voice. He has never been aggressive. He has always been quite calm and rational and understanding. And it has been so nice, but also so different for me because I haven't been used to it. I have had interesting relationships in the past where they weren't always the epitome or definition of healthy or what I even wanted for myself or what I would want for any of you listening. So I hope that that can provide a little bit of guidance. I really did want this episode to be on kind of like a part one. I would love to do a part two with a deeper dive onto conflict in relationships. But right now I'm going to dive into your top tips because you guys came through and you had so many goodies. And I also had a submission from Miss Emily, my manager. She's like, I really wanted to be on this episode, Adele. I have thoughts. I have so many thoughts. And she goes, can you put this in for me? So 
M says that you should always assume your partner has the best intentions with their actions and the things that they say to you. And if you genuinely don't believe that they don't have good intentions, then do you really want to be with someone who is actively trying to hurt you? With the person I'm dating now, like I always think his intentions are good. Like I don't think he is trying to intentionally hurt me. And if I ever got to that point, I would definitely be questioning the longevity or future of that relationship. Some submissions from you guys. And if you are wanting to go and see more of these, because I got nearly 80 submissions, it's in my close friends broadcast channel on Instagram. And it is, you can just go Adele Marie. That's my Instagram. You can go in and join it and see all the other submissions. I picked out my favorite ones. The first one from there is don't make your partner guess what is wrong. Tell them exactly. And I'm a big fan of this. I really am not a fan of passive behavior or passive aggressiveness. And I'm also not a fan of acting like there is something wrong, but then not saying that there is something wrong. Build that trust and communicate and tell them what's going on. Someone else said, your partner should be the first person you speak to when there is any problems and strong agree on that one too. I also think it's okay to possibly debrief with friends or with a therapist or with someone that you trust, but go to the root cause if you can. (laughs) Sometimes in the past, I've noticed when I have gone to other people in problems, whether problems in past relationships, that has also led to rumination. So if you're someone who ruminates, go to your partner first so that you're then not like making a story in your head and also having people in your life then make a story or flood you either. We had a lot of these monthly check-ins, weekly check-ins, daily check-ins. And I didn't mention this in my tips, but I back this as well. You do need to make time for your partner. You do need to make time for the relationship. You do need to have that dedicated space where you can have these check-ins and have these like deeper discussions Checking in on your partner is so important because you are not a mind reader and vice versa. They are not a mind reader. It allows you the space to actually bring stuff up. And one thing that I have loved is dating this guy now. I think it was after our third date. He was like, hey, just a check in. Just want to see how you're feeling, like where things are at. And I was like, what the hell? Like, this is weird. (laughs) This is so strange. And then he did it again after like date six. And then he did it again after like date eight. But I really, really like it because... It just means that we have like the space and I feel like I can bring things up and vice versa. So check in, make plans, also prioritize things like date night and making effort like that. That also goes for checking in. I will say date night is more meant to be fun and to kind of invigorate that playfulness between you, but also making sure you do have time for like more serious chats if you need that as well. Our next tip from you guys is to listen to how your actions make your partner feel. Don't just jump on the defensive. And that one was submitted quite a few times and I can also understand and resonate with that too. I love so many of these. No tip for tat. Listen and acknowledge what your partner is saying. Asking if they want advice or compassion when they are venting. And that one came up quite a bit as well because I think sometimes our default is to like fix it. Sometimes our default is to make it better and just make it go away. But sometimes our partner just needs an ear. I love this one. Allowing one another to speak openly and honestly without feeling judged. This one, I think, definitely sits underneath a lot of the other ones. It is let your ego go. You don't always have to be right. I think that even plays into compromise. I feel like with compromise, some people struggle because they're like, well, if they win in the compromise and I lose, and it's like, well, no, if you can't compromise, that's a lose-lose for both of you. If you can compromise, that's meant to be a win-win for you both. Like there is no kind of like winning anyway. And if you can drop the ego, you're more likely to have a more enjoyable relationship too. 
This one hit so well. It was, you are not keeping the peace by avoiding the conversation. You are only keeping the tension. Is that not true? I think that is so spot on. This person, I love this one. We make an effort to not say never or always when we are having a disagreement. And again, that goes back to language because when you say things like, you never do this or you always do this, that is very harsh and aggressive language and aggressive tone and aggressive intent when chances are your partner probably doesn't always do that. Your partner probably doesn't never do those things. And so it's like, how can you soften your approach when you are having a disagreement so that you are not saying things like that and kind of being so black and white? I love this one. We have a shared calendar of events that happen outside of work that is color-coded with things together or individually. It saves us having miscommunication. And I really like this one because that was a very practical tip where this couple have realized that they obviously had a bit of miscommunication around the calendar and around scheduling. And so they've troubleshooted it and they've got a new system now. They compromised on a new system to have a calendar that they can both see that works for both of them and has saved them miscommunication. So huge green tick for you guys. This one I love too. Take a few minutes to yourself if you need to emotionally regulate first. And I love this so much. And I think this goes back to this thing called emotional flooding. So some of you might experience this. I experience it too when I'm in an argument or a disagreement. I don't respond well to arguments and disagreements, even though they're normal. Immediately in my mind, I feel an argument happening and I'm like, oh my God, this is the relationship's over. He's going to break up with me. Like that is where my brain goes, which is also the default thought pattern, but I have done work to rewire that. But emotional regulation is so important if you do feel emotional flooding where you are feeling like a lot of heightened emotions immediately and to the point where like you kind of shut down and you don't respond and you are unable to speak. Being able to say to your partner, hey, can you just give me 10 minutes? I just need to like settle and then I'm going to come back and we can finish this conversation. And being able to like self-soothe and being able to soothe yourself and learn how to soothe your partner. This one, also 10 out of 10, you don't have to yell or shout to get your point across. And amen. (laughs) I loved these last two. The first one is come with specific examples of what the problem is and stick to the facts. And I said that as well. Stick to what is actually happening. Don't add source to it. Don't add little bits and bobs and try to make it more than what it actually is. Stick to the facts. And when you actually see the problem for what it is and take off all the extra added stuff, you'll realize that you can actually solve the problem too. And then I also had acknowledging each other's communication styles. Example, you might be a talker and your partner might be an introvert. And I can't stress enough, as I said, like good communication is so important, but there are other things that will also impact it. That is a prime example of that too. And then I didn't put this in, but I had had it submitted so many times and it was just that you need to remember it's you guys as a team versus whatever problem. It's not you versus each other. And I think that even after dinner cleanup example that I gave you was a really good example of that. It's like, well, it's not you and your partner disagreeing over who cleans what. It's like, well, how do we have a new system that then works for both of us? And how do we tackle this together? All right. I think we can wrap it there. I loved this episode so much. I hope you did too. 
And as always, we do wrap the show with our PS, our little I love you, our little sign off. And these are recommendations. My first recommendation is to actually go and follow the Gottman Institute. If you liked this episode, you will like their Instagram. They post beautiful, amazing 10 out of 10 content, very helpful, very awareness raising, very good on all fronts, huge fan. My second recommendation is an article that Jackie Falgate wrote about pet grief. And I posted this on my story on Monday night and I'm not going to read it out to you guys. I'm not going to read it all. I'm going to read a small portion. And if you are emotional or you don't want to hear that right now, feel free to turn off or get off the episode. And I'll link this in the show notes too. But when I read this, it made me sob so hysterically. (laughs) And you guys know I have little Franklin. He's my miniature dash hound. And he's alive and healthy and well. He's going to be six this year. He's going to be six at the end of March, actually. And I have also lost family pets in the past, but the thought of losing Franklin haunts me. And I try not to think too far ahead and I try to stay very present in the day. But I have been asked many, many times to do an episode on pet grief. And I think this article actually sums it up perfectly. So I just want to put it in in case you are experiencing pet grief now. If you are, I'm so sorry. I'm sending you a big hug. But in the article, Jackie found this quote from the Washington Post, and it was from Leanne Girk, a pet loss grief counsellor. And she said, humans don't go crazy with joy when you come back inside after getting the mail. Human relationships, while important, can also be difficult. Our relationships with our pets is simple. They love us just as we are. And I just got goosebumps again reading that out. But the love of a pet is so pure. And after I read that, it just made me hug Franklin. I'm going to cry. (laughs) It just made me hug Franklin a little bit tighter. And I know we have so many Your Safe Space listeners with pets right now. So hug your pets a little bit tighter for me. Try to stay in the moment. Try not to think about that. Try not to think too far ahead because that causes anxiety. And I know it's very niche for me to put it in as a recommendation here, but reading that did make me feel good and bad at the same time, but still more good. And so if you're struggling with pet grief, go and check that article out. There is also a link in that article on how to grieve for a pet because it is a thing. And if you need that support, it's there for you. And I am personally hoping that it is many, many, many years before I ever come onto this podcast and I have to give an episode on me grieving baby Franklin. So I don't think I will ever do an episode until that point, but I just wanted to pop this in here too. All right. I am going to wrap the show here. I also just wanted to say happy Mardi Gras because I know that is this weekend and sending lots of love to anybody in our LGBTQIA plus community. I'm not a part of that community, but I am an ally. And I know that the last week or two has been quite rough with some of the things that have happened in the news and in headlines. So just know that I'm holding space for you and I hope that you're okay and sending you all my love. Thank you so much for listening. You guys, if you haven't, follow us on TikTok, follow us on Instagram, Your Safe Space Pod everywhere. Join the Facebook group. It is Your Safe Space Podcast community. We have six and a half thousand people in there and they're all legends. So if you're not in there, come and join one so that you can be a legend too. And I will see you next week. All right. Take care. I'll see you soon. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land, hosted by me, Adele Marie. Your Safe Space is a part of the Amplify Podcast Network. 